Good morning and thank you for tuning in to A Fine Time for Healing, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. If you have not subscribed to the Randy Fine YouTube channel, please do. More followers mean better shows and uh, gives me an idea of what you like. Also, you can give me the thumbs up and comment on any shows that you really like. Today we have with us Katrina Foe, who is a board certified holistic nutritionist who knows that when we look at health, we should be looking at the body as a whole. Totally agree with that. After overcoming her own cancer 100% naturally and driven by her core belief that the body can heal itself, Katrina went on to become board certified in holistic nutrition and trained to read functional labs. Um, she's also a certified metabolic approach to cancer practitioner and her international bestseller nutritional Pilates she offers a framework for whole body health that casts light on potential obstacles that can obstruct well-being welcome hi Randy it's great to be here this morning it's great to have you Katrina okay so we know what your background is. Um, tell us a little bit about your story and what happened. Yeah, so I found the lump when I was nursing my baby. Uh, he was about a year old and had a mastitis that when it cleared up, there was a golf ball size lump still there. And I didn't, I didn't think much of it because I was nursing, you know, the breast tissue changes, but Apparently, that's when it came out that my grandmother had had breast cancer, most likely, and I you know, needed to get some testing and such. So I started this journey. We had already done a lot of work as a family to work on some different tooth decay with my my daughter and, you know, cleaning up our diet, you know, toiletries, homemade, homemade cleaning products, et cetera. So I was a little surprised. I thought, hey, I, I'm already doing all the things. You know, it's not cancer. There's no way. I don't feel bad. And lo and behold, it was. So I put everything on the table of like, clearly there's something I'm doing that's not right. Let's find out exactly what I need to be doing. So we looked at diet and, you know, everything. And I found a, a functional practitioner that that did does what I do now. And we started testing. And I had never tested anything and it was super interesting to see all the stuff that I wasn't aware of that was going on behind the scenes that created this perfect storm that allowed the cancer to grow in my body. It, it just overwhelmed and overtook my immune system and my natural defenses to address cancer. So by supporting my body and um, working through all these issues, I was able to get on the other side. And the, the part that I think, yeah, the part that I think that your listeners might particularly appreciate is that when I started to address my diet and go ketogenic, what I realized was that this whole cancering process really was designed to help me find uh, mental clarity. Mm -hmm. So I have had bipolar since I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I had been on heavy medicine and I did not like the way it made me feel. It didn't really help the situation, but the ketogenic diet put me in full remission. 
So I am not only passionate about addressing the body as a whole for cancer health, but also for mental health. Okay. I'm very familiar with both functional medicine and the keto diet. Um, I have a functional medicine doctor that I see, and um, I have my husband and I have done the keto diet. So no, yeah. I'm very familiar with all of it because um, I've been, you know, for years and years and years, since I was 19 years old, it's been decades and decades and decades. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to get myself well, you know, and what I found out with the functional medicine doctor is there's nothing really wrong with me, which is what the doctors have been telling me. I mean, other than maybe mast cell syndrome or something like that, which he said, uh, mast cell dysfunction or something like that, um, which is tricky. But as far as in my blood work, there was no inflammation. There was no anything that would have indicated a problem. So um, we've just been tr trial and error doing things. He said, this is a hard one. And also I have allergies. Okay. So you found, they found, the doctor found a lot in your blood. Well, and it's not just blood. The blood is like a very small piece of it. Looking at different hormone, urine, saliva, genetic panels, you know, the full spectrum, looking at the stool samples. Um, you want to look at a lot of different places. And we did all the testing because, you know, when you're talking about cancer, you don't want to miss something. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's so scary. You were nursing your baby and you found a lump. That's, that's really scary. So was it very small? It was the size of a golf ball, you know, and it was pretty near the surface so I could easily palpate it. And, oh my um, gosh. yeah, I, I knew, I knew there was a thing, you know, you could feel it. And it was very interesting because I got kind of a little, OCD about, you know, is it getting smaller? And a friend of mine who had breast cancer at the same time kept saying things like, I can feel this, this diet or this supplement or whatever is working because it's getting smaller. I'm like, how do you feel that subtle of a difference like from day to day? So I was driving myself crazy. I decided no more. I'm going to stop touching it, stop obsessing about it. And then about maybe six months later, when I checked on it again, after I'd been working really hard on all these things, it was gone, which was so amazing and kind of annoyed me that I hadn't been kind of feeling and noticing it as I went, but um, it was what I needed to do mentally. Was Did you notice it when you first began nursing or had you been nursing and then you noticed it? No, no, it was not there when I first started nursing, Okay, which is so curious to me because with cancer, a lot of times they say, you know, it takes years developing. Um, and it might have been there at a very small level where I couldn't feel it, but yeah, it was not, it was not a golf ball at all okay. uh, or any, it wasn't even a marble at that point, you know? That's really crazy. So it, it was very rapidly growing. Did you have a biopsy? No, no, I did not. Um, it's an interesting thing because um, before I got, um, I understood what was fully going on. I knew because of other experiences and other research I had done, that, you know, biopsies can, you know, and lumpectomies and surgeries can leave sec uh, track marks, which is where, you know, wherever they go in with a needle or with a scalpel or whatever, when they pull it out, they can leave little cells from the tumor um, to seed and create secondary tumors. So I didn't want that. Um, and I really, I knew already that I didn't want traditional oncology. Now, 
At this point, I have no problem if that's where people want to go. I support my clients through that. Um, and a lot of my clients come to me like after they've done that because they get that that doesn't address the issue, that the tumor is not the enemy. The tumor is a symptom of the problem. Okay. So I did some alternative testing, a um, couple different tests that have now been taken off the market, but are, are still available in other countries. Just leave it at that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't believe in biopsies either for the same reason, you know, I, and I think the doctors are way too quick to offer them. Hmm. So anyway. Yeah, I'm excited to watch. There's several different new tests coming down the pipes that have huge potential for being able to be diagnostic without having to be so invasive and causing damage like the mammograms and the biopsies and stuff have the potential to do. Okay. And I hope that- Have you been getting mam mammograms? No, no, I've never had a mammogram and I don't plan on it. Um, radiation causes cancer and drives it. And, you know, it, it's to each his own. Um, what I recommend to people is to do thermograms or something called a pre-nuvo. I use the pre-nuvos all the time with my clients, um, which is a non-toxic, very high-def scan that doesn't have any radiation or contrast dyes. Um, the thermograms, uh, pre-nuvo wasn't around back then when I was going through this, but the thermograms I couldn't do because um, I was nursing that tissue would be hot because of all the blood vessel activity just from the nursing. So it would give kind of a false positive and not help the situation. But for most clients, that's a really fantastic option. What about ultrasound? Ultrasound can be really helpful as well. And I have no problem with ultrasounds. Um, the only problem with ultrasounds is if you're doing it on babies because it's affecting their vestibular, their their hearing system with the ultrasonic. Oh, okay. So when you're pregnant, right, That's that can be a yeah. problem. Yeah, and that's not being talked about much. <laughs> exactly. So you, um, are, are you a functional medicine practitioner? I am, yes. I was trained through Restorative Wellness Solutions and actually just resigned as faculty with them. I was helping um, teach their courses for several years. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of education there. There is, there is. And that was one of the interesting things because after I came out on the other side with the cancer, I was just voracious for learning and understanding like what just happened to me. And I didn't really intend on actually becoming a practitioner. I really just selfishly wanted to understand, like, what do I do going forward? And what do I do to help my kids, my daughters not get breast cancer? Um, and so I went through the training as I learned more. I'm like, I can't keep this quiet. Like, I am so passionate about helping other people with this. It just was like spilling out. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn and yeah, I, st I still do a, at least a couple hours of continuation, continuing education every day just for my own love and wanting to learn because, you know, there's so much new information coming out every day. Right. Do you have a history of um, breast cancer in your family? Yeah, that's the funny thing. So I didn't think I did. My dad had had prostate cancer and it had come back. Um, but when I found this lump, my mom shared with me that her mom um, had had a double mastectomy. And I said, oh, did she have breast cancer? And she's like, I don't know. 
apparently while my mom was gone at college, my grandmother had had a double mastectomy and no one had really talked about it and it wasn't discussed. And I, I just can't even fathom not asking, like not wanting to like, I don't get it. But my grandmother unfortunately passed away from a heart attack when she, my mom was pregnant with me. So I never got the chance to meet her, but I don't know why else they would do a double mastectomy if it wasn't because of breast cancer. So they most used to, call, they used to call it the C word. They wouldn't even say cancer. It just seems so crazy to me, um, but to be so hush hush about something that like that. So yeah, so I, it so it is in your family. Um, okay, so uh, tell us about the keto ketogenic diet that you did. Yeah, so keto had, was was not well known back in the day when I was exploring it, and I was really kind of freaked out about it. Um, it was just starting to come on the scene and. Dr. Seyfried and Dr. Nisha Winters and stuff were doing a lot of research and publishing on it um, in terms of using it for cancer. And that's what my practitioner was going on and directing me to. And after I read some of their information, I was like, okay, this makes sense. And so I started out and, you know, I was not doing the Velveeta and bacon version that is so popular nowadays. Um, it was very, it's very clean. And this is what I still do with clients. Um, so it's a base of good, healthy, cruciferous and leafy greens and all these good vegetables that are low carb. And I use that as the base to put lots of good, healthy fats on with a little meat on the side. So my big thing is I, I was, a, I am still a really picky eater. So we really worked hard and I brought out all my cooking skills and learned a lot of new ones in the, in the process mm -hmm. to make sure that it tasted good because, you know, I have seven children at this point and they are not going to eat it if it's disgusting. I'm not going to eat it if it's disgusting. Right, right. They love keto. You know, I don't think the children necessarily need to be on a strict keto like I did, you know, so they'll have some other, you know, beans or whatever, but you know, they like the food and I'm only going to cook one meal at a, at a time kind of thing. So the whole family eats this way and it's, it's a really healthy way. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, so I'm pescatarian, mm -hmm. slanting towards vegan, and so I don't eat meat. So for me, getting the fats was a little bit harder. Um, I did it through nuts and seeds and things like that. So, but I started off with a low FODMAP diet, which that was mm. really restrictive. Um, yeah. so, you know, but that was the baseline and then, you know, went into keto from there. So, yeah, that can be tricky, um, especially if people aren't doing dairy. Um, but it, it is doable with the, the fish and possibly, I'm not sure if you're doing eggs. Um, it just has to be very, very specific and intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't do eggs either. So it was, you know, it was a challenge. But, you know, I, I cooked every day and, you know, I made sure we had something good to eat. So, good for you. Yeah. Um, and we, our children are grown, so we, it was only my husband and myself, and we had to, we chose to do this experiment together. Okay, so what are some of the other things? Um, are there um, nutritional vitamins or uh, minerals that we should make sure we have in our bodies when we go through something like this? That's a fantastic question. Yes, there are certain minerals and nutrients that you need to have, and you need to specifically test to make sure that you have enough of them. Um, you know, things like the fat-soluble vitamins, 
um, particularly vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K, like all of those are super important for cancer. And most of us Americans are not getting enough. Turns out I have a genetic issue where I don't make it very well from the sun and I don't absorb it very well from the supplements. So again, this is where testing and not assuming that because you take the vitamin, you get it because it's about your digestion, not just taking a supplement. Um, In terms of minerals, most of the minerals you need, but with somebody that's cancering, you know, things like calcium, copper, um, iodine, depending on your, your immune status, you know, things like that are going to be no-nos and you want to stay away from, um, mostly the iron, especially. So it, it depends on where you're at. So like, I would never recommend a multivitamin for a cancer client. It's going to be wildly inappropriate because it, they're all going to have those minerals that are, are going to be stimulating things like angiogenesis and such, um, which is the development of new blood vessels, giving supplies to the tumor, you know, so we want to make sure that we're not doing that. So my approach and what I did for my own healing is, you know, let's do all the testing. So we want to see where are the toxins um, that you don't feel, the mold, the heavy metals, the non-metals, you know, what are the nutrient status? What are you deficient? How is your digestion? How are you actually bringing the nutrients in? What are your hormones doing? How, which ones are off and in what way are they off? So that all the nutritional uh, supplements, whether it's diet or pills or lifestyle choices and interventions can be very specific to the client. See, the the reason that alternative uh, cancer care gets such a bad rap is that most of us, most, most people in the space are just throwing wet spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Meaning that, there's like certain treatments like IV vitamin C or mistletoe or hyperbaric oxygen that are, you know, well touted and, and everyone hears about them. They work for some people really well, but not everyone. And the reason it's not everyone is because it's not the right fit for everyone. But when you do the testing, you can see, oh, this is not the time for IV vitamin C. This is going to actually make it worse for you or oh, this is perfect. This is going to help you. This is going to turn everything around. And these are all double-edged swords. We want to wield them and use them appropriately, not just haphazardly, let's sell everybody on the same thing. Because then we're no better than, you know, selling the chemo or any of the other drugs and such. Right. And sugar is, sugar and carbs are not good when you have cancer, right? Because they do feed the cancer. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. This is a known effect called the Warburg effect. He won the Nobel Prize back in the 30s with the discovery and theory that if you are you know, looking at a cancer cell, the metabolic process that's going on it is what defines it as a cancer cell. So normal cells can go back and forth. They're, they're burning glucose. They're burning fat. And in a cancer cell, that's broken. And it stops using oxygen in the Krebs cycle and starts to burn anaerobically. So it needs a lot of glucose and it can't use the fat. So by changing what you're eating and what you're giving that cell, you can basically starve the cancer cells while allowing your own healthy cells to thrive. And, and this is really important because it's about getting the blood sugar down, but it's also about getting the ketones up Mm -hmm. um, to actually therapeutically help the cell encourage it to do a, a nice suicide called uh, apoptosis. Right. And keto is a high fat diet. And this is very different from the way um, 
people used to see things. Uh, people thought a high fat, you want to stay away from fats, but I found I lost weight doing the high oh, yeah. fat diet, you know, and high fat diet, carbs, no carbs and a high fat diet. And, um, you know, I still, for the most part, I do some carbs now, but mm -hmm. I don't do nearly what I used to do. Yeah, Randy, it's a, it's a thing. So with keto, yes, it can help you lose weight, but it can actually help people gain weight. It helps you find your happy center place. Mm -hmm. And the reason this is with the weight loss is that when you eat carbs, it signals your body to release insulin. We kind of know that the insulin helps get the blood sugar in the cells, right? Like that's what we're taught in high school science. But there's a lot of other things that insulin does that people kind of aren't talking about. So when it's signaling insulin, you know, insulin signaling to get the, the sugar in the cells, it's also signaling all the body, especially the fat cells, not to let any sugar out, mm. meaning that you can't release any fat that then would be turned into blood sugar in the body. So if you want to lose weight, it's literally impossible on a chemical level when you have high insulin. So one of the beautiful things keto does to people is it gets your insulin down when you're not eating all the carbs, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. And it makes so much sense. And I'm like you, I grew up, I remember my sister and I competing to see if, who could eat the least amount of fat in a day, which is just like, oh, this is exactly the opposite of what we needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's where it's working from. I also do, um, I, I have continued to do um, intermittent fasting too. So with the intermittent fasting and the keto diet and, you know, reducing the carbs, I was able to lose 20 pounds and it came off pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It came off really quickly. Um, oh, that's awesome. You know, now that I'm eating a little bit of carbs, um, you know, it's, I might've snuck back maybe five pounds, but still, Overall, you know, it got me down two sizes in clothing. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you want to, you know, as long as you're not in an active cancering phase, you want to like kind of switch in and out to keep that metabolic flexibility up. So what you're talking about for listeners, like having the ability to go in and out, you know, and, and what Randy's talking about is like having, you know, some sweet potato, not having a ding dong or something like that in terms of going in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, with the carbs, that's right. important to cycle in and out ongoing. And I teach my, my clients once they're on the other side and they've got things in remission, that's what they need to be doing, which is really important right. and layering in, um, intermittent fasting and then eventually longer, you know, water fast can be an amazing tool that I use with my clients to help them get their ketone levels higher. So, you know, yes, most people are talking about a nutritional ketosis level. So like 0.5, 0.7 to two, but I want one, if they're actually in cancer to get above the two into three or four zone. And the only way to do that is either with exogenous ketones or to do some fasting. Um, and fasting's easier and cheaper in my opinion. It is. So I, I'm sure water is a big part of the, of any diet, really. What um, kind of water do you recommend? for people, what is the healthiest way, healthiest water they can get? Oh, that's a loaded question. So it really depends on the client and what exactly is presenting with them. But the most important thing is that you're testing your water. So, you know, if you've got your tap water, you want to make sure that you get it tested. Um, with my clients, we look at their body and see what's showing up 
in their body. So if it's arsenic or, you know, whatever is going on. And I want to test their water for that if we're finding some weird things, which most often there is. It's just like a thing. Um, and so then they need to get some kind of a, at least an RO system. Um, there's a lot of other like even upgraded from that, you know, whether it's hydrogen water, alkaline water, things like that. I don't recommend the alkaline water to drink with your food. Um, and this is really important because you need your stomach pH to get low enough in order to digest those minerals and nutrients. And the alkaline water is going to be working against that. So uh, low alkaline or no alkaline water is what you're talking about. Not to do when you eat. Yes. Um, I'm not like, I don't think that's going to change things um, to do it away from that. But if people are obsessed with it and already have bought the system, just do not do it when you're eating. Okay. Um, I prefer hydrogen water if I'm going to pick like the best at this point. Um, but again, there's new amazing things coming out all the time. Um, so the hydrogen water machine that I have personally at home structures the water as well, which is, I think, the absolute key thing is that the structure, the water is structured. Okay. So you really look at everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get there's There's the rabbit holes that you can go down. And um, I want to help my clients see, like, where the biggest issues are for them because you can get caught up sometimes in the minutia of things that aren't really even going to be what turns it around for you. And so teasing out, like, good, better, best, like, let's not get OCD that's causing stress and driving cancer in the process of figuring it out. Let's, you know, okay, this is about the best I can do. Let's be good with that. What are the other areas that I need to zoom in on for me that maybe I can make an even bigger shift, you know, more bang for the buck, if you will. Mm -hmm. Did you do anything for, um, for stress? Did you meditate or do anything like that? Yeah, stress is a big one. Um, and I, I'm smiling because this is the thing that we can talk about all day and I get really passionate about, but this is where people want to avoid. Yeah, 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 I'm dealing with that. And I am laughing because I personally did some of this and I have come around um, and dealt with this, you know, years later, I was ready to finally deal with stuff. So for me, um, emotional trauma was one of the biggest drivers um, there was a lot of stuff going on in my marriage that was not, not helpful and I ignored it and I dealt with everything else around it and just kind of ignored the elephant in the room. And, um, I've really done a lot of work recently to shift that and change that so that it's not going to be an issue that potentially could encourage a recurrence. So I just encourage everybody like, the whole way the cancer industry is set up to be stressful, like the whole process is incredibly stressful. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I strive really hard to make sure that my clients, especially like my retreats, like we are all about no stress. Like why can't we talk about genetics while we sip a, you know, a keto mocktail by the pool and have non-toxic pedicures? Like seriously, why can't we do that and learn about ourselves in a, a non-stressful environment where we can have fun and really open up and learn about this in an honest way. Why does it have to be stress-induced? Um, because we know that stress fuels cancer. And that's a big deal that people are not taking seriously, both dealing with their emotional trauma and dealing with the day-to-day -day stress and the process of it all. Absolutely. 
So my expertise is in narcissistic abuse and I do coach people in that area. So everyone coming out of that or in the midst of it um, are suffering from constant levels of stress, constant, 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 constant. And, you know, that will, that will weaken the immune system and cause disease. And so people who are so, say they're in a marriage with a narcissist or somebody has narcissistic personality disorder, and they say, well, maybe I should just stay and deal with it. And I tell them, you're just going to get sick. You're going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And it's not a matter of dealing with it here. Your body knows, and you can't control the level of stress you will be under. And for me, you know, my issue was growing up in a home with a narcissistic mother and stress just pervaded in the home, you know, my entire childhood. So for me, a lot of my issues are based on the damage done from that from so many years. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's 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 so important. So what did you do to keep your stress levels down? While I was cancering. Yeah. So I created a schedule so that I would remember what to do and I could get it organized. And for me, that really helped me not feel like I was going to forget stuff or um, miss things um, and having it all right now. Because there was a lot, you know, I was doing coffee enemas every day and saunas and rebounding. Okay. and blah, blah, blah. That's, a, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, I we homeschool our kids and we took time off. My kids got a really nice long break and I had to humble myself and allow people to help me. So that meant that friends and neighbors came in and helped clean the house, um, which was so not okay with me, but I had to, you know, not be doing this and that. Um, and so I, I had to work through that part. Um, people brought us meals. My kids, really stepped up and took hold of cooking a lot of the meals, which I was, I have to tell you, this was probably the, one of the most unexpected, weirdest benefits of cancer. Um, I had always had them in the kitchen with me cooking and they loved that. But, you know, when I was at my worst and I'm like, I can't do this, I let them in the kitchen by themselves. And I was so surprised because they knew and were so much better than I thought they were. And I'm like, oh, okay. I need, I, I should have let go a long time ago. And it was, it was a very interesting uh, validation of, wow, they can do a lot more than I thought. Um, so back to the stress, a lot of it was about creating boundaries. Um, I, I, oh, one of the best things I ever did with cancer. And I, I tell my clients this, I highly recommend it. I am, I'm pretty open. Thus I'm here. I sent an email out to everybody I know. I asked them for prayer and love. And I said, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. And, you know, it's a little controversial. Not everybody's going to do this path. And I get that. That's fine. However, I wrote, if this is not what you think I should be doing, I would like you to please keep your thoughts to yourself. I don't want any negativity around me at this point. And I had two different family members that I kind of haven't talked to since then because they were really vocal. And I'm like, wow, what a big pothole that I just stepped around and avoided having to deal with all that garbage. And I'm sure there was other people that wanted to say something that didn't. And I, I really appreciate that. It was, 
I felt like I was in a little protective healing bubble because everybody that I was in contact with was supportive. And that really reduced my stress greatly. That was a great move on your part because there are those judgmental people who will just, they won't stop. They'll harass you and harass you and harass you because they think they're right. Um, you know, I think I've thought about it a lot. I don't have cancer in my family. It doesn't mean I can't get it. Um, but I would never do chemotherapy. And some people say, well, why not? Um, for me, the side effects and the long-term repercussions of it are more scary to me than the cancer is. Right? <laughs> I agree. You know, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you, you might kill the cancer and you might get yourself a couple of years, but then you live the rest of your years with, you know, certain kind of disabilities, arthritis, um, you know, so many different things. So, absolutely. I agree. It's crazy how much of those side effects. And I think what people really aren't talking about is not only are there all these side effects and such, and then it, it, but it's not addressing why you got cancer in the first place. I have clients. So, just to give you like one quick example. You know, they have hormone positive cancer, you know, they do all this testing and they're like, you've got blah, blah, blah. And this is hormone driven. And they're giving them like things like tamoxifen and everything. And they come to me afterwards and they've never tested the patient's hormones. Wow. Like I had a client literally that I was talking to, I think it was last Thursday. She had just gotten her diagnosis um, and her doctor told her not to eat dairy. And she said, why? And she said, he said, well, because there's so many hormones in the dairy and you have a hormone driven cancer. I'm like, okay, I get that. Like we could discuss quality of dairy and such, but did he test your hormones? No. Well, this lady on my intake, I found this, like she has been taking, um, she was taking estrogen and progesterone and about uh, two years before she stopped taking the progesterone, which is, you don't do that. So she's been taking pure estrogen. Nobody has been testing her for years. And he didn't even ask if she was taking any bioidentical hormones, much less wow. test them. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is a joke. And I think most people think and assume that the doctors are testing for everything they need and they get a CBC and a metabolic panel. It's like, oh, well, there's a lot of markers doesn't cover anything that you need to see on cancer. It's, it's a joke. True. And they're not looking at why this happens. Like, let's talk about the toxins. We know that all these different toxins are carcinogenic. We know that mold, all these different strains of molds are carcinogenic. If somebody has cancer, do they look at, are these toxins in their life? No, they don't test the client. They don't talk to them about their living environment or what they're eating or any of this stuff. If there's known carcinogens and we get rid of the tumor, but the known carcinogens are still there, what's going to happen? Like, this is not rocket science. It's going to come back. It's not spin the wheel and like wonder if it's coming back. It is going to. It's a matter of time if you don't change the reason that the cancer was allowed to develop. You know, Sorry, somebody, that's my thing. Okay, I, I agree. If some, and, and chemotherapy is just putting poison in the body, so it's taking a toxic body and adding more toxicity to it. it yeah, the poor liver. It doesn't make any sense to me, but 
it's all they got. Okay. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, I just drew a blank. Okay. So, um, oh, I know what I was going to say. So, are there stages of cancer that are riskier um, to you? It's riskier to use this method than other stages of cancer? That's a really interesting question. So I wouldn't say it's riskier at any stage. Um, it may not be, let's see, if, if you're like stage four, it may not turn things around fast enough. Okay. Because usually if you, um, what I have seen is that with clients like that, you know, they may not be able to get all the different stuff going on because they have so many other things going on. That's very big. They can't take the supplements. They can't do the protocols as aggressively because they're they're not in as good a shape. Um, I will take those clients because a lot usually when I'm taking them, standard of care has thrown them off the side of the road and left them for dead. They're they're not off. They're like we can't do this. We have no options. Um, and if nothing else, the work that I'm going to be doing with them is going to help improve their. Um, maybe give them a little more time and definitely help the quality of life them feel better because we're helping what's going on from a root cause level. Um, it's, it may or may not at that point turn things around, but if you catch it early, especially if the, the body has not been messed up by like the chemos and stuff, mm -hmm. or if you go on the other side where they've already done all the traditional oncology, they're in the clear that's a another really great time to work on it from this perspective because there's no like fear of like oh my gosh i'm gonna die that kind of thing right i mean there's some cancers that are very very aggressive and mm -hmm. they just grow so fast and it's hard to get a handle on them it is and that's where you know i work integratively i'm not just you can only do diet lifestyle supplements kind of thing um, I'll work with oncologists, um, I'll work with other practitioners and such that are doing more, uh, whether it's chemo or something else, because mm -hmm. there's a time and a place for some of those things. Right. It's, it's, it's very specific to the client and that's right. what people need to realize. Okay, good, good. So it's not a one size fits all, but you know, but if, you know, it's important that people be on the lookout and catch these things early before they get to be major problems. How many children did you have at the time? Um, it was my fifth child that I was nursing when I found the cancer. So oh I quickly weaned him, which he was not very happy about. Um, even though he was a year, he was, he was a voracious nurser. And then um, I, I started in on all the different cancer stuff. And then I had two more children afterwards. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I know that you have somewhere you have to go. Um, is there a, a message you want to leave us with or, and also I would like for you to share um, your website and any way that people could get in touch with you. Do, do you do this virtually? Yes. Yes. I work with clients all over the U S um, and it's really nice because we can do things like zoom and I can have the, the kids drop shift most everything except for the blood you know you can do all the testing in the privacy of your own home which is really nice especially when people um, are cancering but my website is designed 
forhealth.net. So designed with an ED, F-O-R health.net. Mm -hmm. um, we're actually in transition and uh, the new website is going to be cancerfreedom.com, which is the name of our program. And we do one-on-one -on -one work. And as of 2024, we will be doing a group program as well. So I'm excited about that. Very good. And I know, um, so I, you know, in your in your bio, you have a book called Nutritional Pilates. Um, yeah. And so, we don't really have time to talk about that, but um, just briefly, what is Nutritional Pilates? So before I had cancer, I was a Pilates instructor. We have a Pilates studio still that we own in Scottsdale and do teacher training. And so this book is a combination of melding these two fields, the nutrition and the Pilates, to look at the body as one, as a whole structure. And, you know, I'm giving people a framework for like, if things aren't working, you know, the joint pain, the weight loss, the, you know, wanting to avoid chronic disease like cancer, like we're talking about, what do you need to look at and what might be messing you up? So we're talking about, you know, hormone imbalances, as well as things like mold that are not necessarily on everybody's topic, uh, but are really important things that are driving cancers and will keep you from losing weight. So. Exactly. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you for all your wonderful yeah. advice. And um, for anybody that would like to work with Katrina Foe, um, you can contact her through her website. Okay. Um, and uh, I highly recommend functional medicine. Um, it's, it's very different. Uh, so many markers are looked at, so many things. I mean, I know I had to answer pages and pages of questionnaires and he really went through that. And he said, based on all of this, this is what I see. This is what we're gonna look for. But he was, a, he was really a good investigator um, and he sort of knew where to go with that. And it was exciting to, to go to a doctor like that. So anyway, um, well, have a great day. I know, I know you need to run, but have a great day and thanks for being my guest today. Uh, thank you, Randy. Take care. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.